Momentum Church. Listen, I am so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of y'all. I got to brag on you guys. You are seriously like the most generous people I know. Like not only did you guys take on 65 kids, right, with one child, but we turned around and fed 188 families with Hungry for a Day. I'm so proud of you guys. A little short of $9,000 came in and uh, thank you. We could not have done that without you. And like we said, every penny is going straight to manna. So how cool is that, right? Like we get to partner and we touch lives globally, but we also touch lives locally. And I'm proud of you guys. So, hey, y'all are in for a huge treat today. Steph and I love pastors Zach and Amber White. Their kids are here with us, Cooper and Annabelle. This is an amazing family. Let me tell you, Annabelle's a dancer. She got some skills. And Cooper, he can play the keys like it's nobody's business. I'm telling you, they got serious skills. Um, pastors Zach and Amber, they love people so well. And Steph and I, we've had the privilege to go to their church three times, to be around their people and to watch what God is doing at Revolution Church in San Antonio, Texas. That church is on fire. Every time that I go, we come back, I mean, on fire to reach more people for Christ. And that's what they're doing. It's about the kingdom of God, one person at a time. Now, these guys are not rookies. They've been serving Jesus together for over 21 years. And I want our church to stand to your feet right now, Momentum. Stand up all over the house. That's right, stand up right now. Let's go, Pensacola. Stand up. Come on, Gulf Breeze. Let's go, Navarre. Blackwater, I want you to stand up. And if you're watching online and you can, you can join us and stand up too. I want you to put your hands together for one of my favorite preachers, Pastor Zach White. Let's go. Pastor Zach. Let's go, baby. Oh, I'm glad that you're here, man. So excited to We're be here, Pastor We're pumped that you're Tim. here. Yes, sir. We love you. Love you, man. Preach the paint off the wall. Let's do it. Let's you. do it. So good to be with you. Uh, Momentum Church, absolutely. I love the season that you guys are in. And you may not know this, but our church is in a similar season. Uh, we purchased some property four years ago. And I know you guys have just completed your property purchase. And I just wanted to encourage you because you have so much upward opportunity right now to change lives across the entire panhandle of Florida. Your property, I've driven by it. I've prayed over it. It's in an incredible location. It's a beautiful piece of property. It's an absolute miracle. I don't know if you know that. It is a miracle what you guys are doing right now. And I also just wanted to tell you, I don't know if you know this, but we have learned at our church, the devil will fight nothing harder than you taking physical property. Cause he thinks it's his. Of course we know it's not his. He thinks he's got a chance. We know he's got no chance. We've read the end of the Bible. We know that we win, we are victorious. And so I just wanted to encourage you cause there's a battle brewing in your church right now. Keep your faith stronger than ever. Keep your faith stirred up. You're going to win that battle. You're going to build that building. God's going to do incredible miracles at that location. So excited for you. I'll be covering you in prayer. And I also just want to encourage your entire team, the staff, all your leaders, they're doing a great job leading strong here at Momentum Church. And then of course your pastors, pastors, Tim and Stephanie, 
They're such incredible people. We love them dearly. They inspire me every time uh, that I am with them because they're truly all in for the kingdom. One thing I love about your pastors, they're, as much as they love you, they're not here to be your buddy. They're here to lead you spiritually, to become all that God intended for you to be. They're focused on your family, on your spiritual growth, and on reaching this region, reaching your friends, reaching your family members that need the Lord. I love that about them. Can we just make some noise for your pastors one more time? I was trying to think about a verse that I thought kind of described your pastors. I went to Colossians chapter four, verse six. Here's what it says. It says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Somebody say salt. Salt. Seasoned with salt. And in fact, I want to preach a message today. I'm calling it salty and bright. Everybody say salty and bright. Salty and bright. And your pastors, and I mean this, this isn't just a guest speaker being nice. They were very much the inspiration kind of behind this message. Let's talk about what it means to be salty and bright. And no single dude, I'm not talking about your ex-girlfriend. All right, here we go. (laughs) I got this idea from Jesus. Wasn't my idea. It came out of his most well-known sermon. I'm talking about the Sermon on the Mount. That's the little heading you always see in the Bible at the top of this section of scripture. But I want to give it a different heading. I want to call it the manifesto of our King. Because the Sermon on the Mount isn't Jesus making nice suggestions He's actually giving a mandate, a lifestyle that we are required to live. In fact, this section of scripture, it's been called the purest description of the Christian faith ever written. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter five, starting in verse 13. He said, you are the salt of the earth. You're the salt. You may not know in ancient times, salt was considered a divine gift. Jesus says, you're, you're a divine gift to the earth. You're the salt. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So you're the salt. And then he says in verse 14, you are the light. You're the salt, you're the light. You're the salt, you're the light. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden nor do people light a lamp and and hide it like in their jacket or under a basket. No, what do they do? They put it on a stand and it gives light to all of the house. He says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that, there's a so that, they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. We're the salt, we're the light. Why are we the salt and the light? Why are we the salt and the light? I want to take you to Psalm chapter 34. It says this in verse eight, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. So Jesus said, you're the salt, you're the light. Why are we the salt and the light? So people can taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Come on church. One thing that we know without a doubt is that your soul will only find what it really craves in a relationship with Jesus. The world, your community is, is longing for something. And we know that that something is only found in Jesus. We know it's only found when someone can taste and see that the Lord is good. Have you ever noticed relationship has like a taste to it and it has a a sight to it? 
If I've been traveling for a week or 10 days or something, I haven't seen my family, been away from them for a while, and, and then I get to the airport in San Antonio and they're waiting at the baggage claim for me, I see my wife for the first time in seven days. And have you ever heard this phrase? Man, she's a sight for sore eyes. Relationship has a sight. And then I see my kids and I love them so much and they come running to me and they jump into my arms after I haven't seen them for seven days. And I, I love them so much, I just want to eat them up. Have you ever heard that? Relationship's got a taste. It's got a taste and a sight. When one sinner comes running back home to the Lord with his arms wide open, God loves you so much, man, he just wants to eat you up. When God sees one sinner coming back home, he loves you so much, he's like, wow, they're a sight for sore eyes. And we know this only happens if people can taste and see that the Lord is good. My question for you, church, is how can somebody taste and see the goodness of the Lord if we're not salty and bright? If we're not the salt and the light? And of course, we remember as he shares his manifesto in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus is a king with a kingdom. I'm not king. Your pastor's not king. You're not king. Jesus is king. He's not just any king. He's a king with a kingdom. And we're his citizens. And we don't make the rules. He makes the rules. And we don't determine the mission. He determines the mission. And he says, you're called to be salty and bright in this world. And it's not really optional. Let's talk about it. What does it look like? What's the salt all about? What's the light all about? Salt first. Okay, the salt represents participation. We must participate. So I just wanted to ask you, what does your participation in the mission of Jesus look like in this world? Because that's the salt. It's what we do. It's who we are. It's our participation in the mission. Now, salt in Jesus' day was used in three different ways. It was a preservative. You'll know that they had no refrigerators. And so the way they'd preserve their fish or their food was with salt. It was also an antiseptic. They didn't have modern day medicine like we have. And so what they would do, imagine this, like you're a little boy, you fall, you scrape your knee and your mama puts some salt on your knee. Oh my gosh. But it catalyzed healing. And then it was used as seasoning. It was a way to make food taste better. It of course enhanced the flavor of the food. And in those exact three ways, you and I are called to be the salt in the world today. So let's break it down. First, we are preservatives of what? We're preservatives of the word of God. We're preservatives in the world today of God's truth. How do we do that? We live God's word out every day. We live God's truth out every day in a world that's so thirsty for meaning, in a world that says truth is relative, it's kind of whatever you want, and any kind of absolute is hateful. We live in stark contrast to that world as preservatives of the word of God. But here's the deal. If we're going to preserve the word of God, we got to know the word of God. That's right. How can we preserve something we do not know? We got to fall so in love with Jesus by falling so in love with his word. We must tremble before the word of God if we're going to be preservatives of the word of God. How will we represent God and his truth if we don't know God and his truth? Fall in love with God's word, Momentum Church. Fall so in love with it and allow it to transform your life and you'll be the salt. Secondly, salt was an antiseptic. And so it's no secret. As you go to work, you see it. As you go to school, you see it. As you're at your kid's soccer game or whatever, you you see it out in the world. This world's hurting. 
They're hurting and they have open spiritual wounds that are just gushing and they don't know what to do about it. But as the salt, we bring spiritual healing. We catalyze spiritual healing in this world. When we're being the salt, people's lives will change. And then last, salt was a seasoning. Come on, we should be a seasoning in this world. We should flavor up every encounter in life. We, we bring this extra tasty spark of goodness everywhere that we go. Like when you walk into a room or you walk into your office, your thought process should totally be something like this. All these people about to get better because I'm in here. All these people are going to have a better day because I'm about to walk into the room. My wife uses a lot of seasoning. She's a great cook without seasoning. Um, but if you add the seasoning, her cooking gets even better. So pro tip for some of you husbands or, or maybe for some of the wives, if your husband's the one that does the cooking, if, if they're kind of a bad cook and you're scared to tell them, just take them to Walmart or Publix after this and buy them a whole bunch of seasonings, all right? And then when they're not paying attention, sneak a little in there, you know what I'm saying? And, and the cooking would get a lot better, I promise you. But, but have you ever been to a restaurant, somebody like recommends, you gotta go try this new place and you go and you order something and you're so pumped and you get your food and it's not that good. It's just kind of bland and there's no seasoning. And then if they ask you, how was it? You went and checked it out. You you don't want to say it was bad because it wasn't really bad, but you can't say it was good because it wasn't good. The food just kind of exists. It's just kind of there. You know what I'm saying? A Christian that's not seasoning up their world. It's not really bad, but it ain't good either. Just kind of existing, just kind of bland. Ask yourself, when you leave an interaction, you leave a conversation, you leave a room, ask yourself, what kind of aftertaste did I just leave behind? Did I spice that thing up? Are those people going to be glad that I was there? William Barclay said this. He said, there should be a sheer sparkle about the Christian, but too often he dresses like a mourner at a funeral and talks like a specter at a feast. And then he said, wherever he is, if he's going to be the salt of the earth, he must be the diffuser of joy. Anybody got a essential oils diffuser in their house? Put your hand up. Uh, essential oil people, they, all, they always raise their hand like this. They don't want people to know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, what do, you, what do you do with that essential oil diffuser? You put one little drop, two little drops of oil in the diffuser, and it diffuses it across the entire room, and it changes the atmosphere of the entire room bringing this new fragrance, right? Well, that's what we do as Christ followers. People end up getting blessed just because they're close to us. As we go to the coffee shop, as we go to work, as we walk into church, as we go to school, students, as we go to the the restaurant, wherever we go, we preserve the nature and the character and the truth of God's kingdom. We catalyze spiritual healing. We, We bring life and we spice things up all because Jesus said, you're salt. You're salt. So let's be salty. Do you know in the Roman Empire, uh, they were paid, the soldiers were paid with salt and they called it a solarium. We get our word salary, right? Aren't you glad you don't get paid in salt? On Friday, the boss is dumping salt in your hand. But that's exactly how they they would get paid. And so that phrase, have you ever heard this phrase? He's not worth his salt. That comes from the Roman Empire when a soldier wasn't pulling his weight in the Roman army, when he wasn't participating the way he should have been participating. And as Christ followers, we need to be the salt and we need to get the salt out of the shaker, out into the world, or we're not worth our salt. 
If we have truly tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord, we're going to want to be the salt and help others taste and see the goodness of the Lord. We must participate. We must participate. Let's love. Let's give so generously. Let's serve. Let's unify. Let's help. Let's get loud with the gospel. Let's change our world. Let's fund the mission. Let's build this new building, Momentum Church. Let's be the salt. So we're salt. We're also light, Jesus said. He said, you're the salt and you're the light. So salt, we participate. Light, we bring a perspective. If the salt is our participation in what we do, the light that shines from us is what we bring. The light is the outcome of us being the salt. Now, remember in Jesus' day, no electricity, okay? So I think this stuff about you are the light probably would have hit a little harder than it does for us today. We take electricity kind of for granted, you know, but it would have hit different back in Jesus' day when he said, you are the light of the world. I, I don't think y'all had this in the Florida panhandle, but in Texas two, two years ago, we had snowmageddon. Maybe you heard of it. It was the scariest thing that's ever happened in my life. The entire state of Texas completely shut down. At our house for seven days, uh, we figured out the rhythm of the, the power. Here, here's what would happen. The grid would fire up for 30, maybe 45 minutes if we were lucky. And then we would lose power for anywhere between three and four hours. And, and this was for seven days. And, and so it was so funny because when the lights would come on, my wife, she turned into a mad woman, y'all. The, the power would come on and she's like, turn the oven on, put the food in the oven. We got to cook the food. We got to get all three meals cooked right now or we're going to die. Like she just, the whole perspective changed, okay? Whole perspective shifted. And just like salt had three purposes in Jesus' day, light had three purposes and still does today. Light is, is life-giving. Light is actually not a singular thing. It's a plural thing. It's a spectrum. It's many things working together. And light is also invasive. You can't stop it. So let's break that down. Okay. So first light, it's life-giving. You think about the process of photosynthesis. The plant takes in the energy from the sun light. It converts it into nutrients that grow the plant and allow the plant to then take in carbon dioxide and send out oxygen, which we should all love a whole lot, by the way, right? Light is very life-giving. And I just want to encourage you, there's a, there's a lie that the devil is pushing to the family of God today that the world is so dark, it's hard to shine a light. But I want you to know the opposite is true. The darker the world gets, the easier it is to shine a light and to bring words of encouragement. You know why? Because nobody does it. Most people are spending all their time like this today, right? They're not speaking words of life. They're, they're on Facebook. They're on social media. They're running each other down. They're posting snarky political memes or, or whatever it is. And I'm telling you, when we bring light, we shine a perspective of what God is really like. We're a reminder of what God is really like in people's lives. And it's life-giving. The gospel's attractive, church. People want to know the Lord, even if they don't know they want to know the Lord. And as soon as we shine a little bit of light and give a little bit of life, it changes everything. Second, light is a, uh, a spectrum. A spectrum. So do you know what happens if you take um, all the colors in the spectrum and you shine them all in one spot? I'm told you get pure, bright light. But they, that can only happen with, with many different kinds of light all working together. So think about it this way. Individually, 
you and I are really just a single grain of salt and a single beam of light. But together, when we allow God to put us all together, I'm talking about the church, y'all. God does something that's incredible. He does an absolute miracle. And together, we're not just a single grain of salt and a single beam of light. We are very salty and bright. We shine a big, beautiful, bright, pure light of Jesus Christ, and it transforms lives. We do this together. And then last, light is invasive. You can't stop it. In Jesus' day, he alluded to the the fact that they would take this tiny little lamp, like a little bitty candle, right? And they would light it and they'd put it on a stand. And just that one tiny little lamp would light up the entire house. Now, obviously, what time of day did they do this? Nighttime, right? It would be a, a waste of resources to do this during the daytime. You ever see anyone walking around during the day like this? They're walking around the office. What do you do? You, yeah, you stop them, right? You're like, hey, 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 you'll stop them mid-conversation. Like you don't care if they're being interviewed by the, the news or something. You're just, hey, well, hey, your light's on. Your light's on, your phone light's on. I don't know why Apple can't move that stinking button to a, <laughs> a spot that's not so easy to accidentally turn it on. You think they'd figure this out by now. But you'll do anything, right? You'll be like, hey, your light, your light. And the reason you want them to know that their light is on is they're wasting battery power. They're wasting resources. They're using the light at the wrong time. Can I show you what happens for a lot of Christians? They walk into church, they pull, the, they pull their light out and they're like, all right, let's get the light on. And then in church for an hour or whatever, yeah, Jesus, shout in the light of Jesus. I love Jesus. Woo, me and Jesus. And that's great. We should totally do that in church. That's awesome. But here's a tragedy. A lot of Christians, as they're walking out of church, they're like, let's just put that thing away. Let's just put that away. And how tragic that we would not be shining our light out there in the darkness, that we would only shine our light here in the light. How tragic that we would walk out as the salt in the light and instead of shining the light, we would hide it away under a basket. How tragic that we would, God's called, God's chosen people walk out into that world and and we'd go, I I don't want to stir up any controversy. I don't want to get into any controversial conversations. I don't want to get asked any questions about God I might not know the the answer to. Forget about the power of the Holy Spirit being with me and giving me the words that I need when I need them. But I just, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go out there and, and challenge any of the demons out there in the world today. So we'll just put that light away. And maybe that's very convicting to you to hear that, and you know who you are if it's you, that maybe you're not shining your beam of light in the dark. Come on, church, God's given us a bright, bright light. And it's the deepest, darkest, most difficult moments when we shine the biggest, brightest, most beautiful light in this world. So our salt's our participation, our light is our perspective. And then I want you to look at verse 16 again. So Jesus said, you're the salt, you're the light. He said, be salty and bright. And then he says, so that. There's a so that. So if you're like, I don't understand though. Like I kind of got my church flow figured out. I got my life figured out. You know, I do this on this day and I go to church on Sunday and that ought to be enough, right? Why did Jesus care so much about me being salty and bright? He tells us, he says, so that they, not God, so that they, the world, 
may see your good works. Everybody say good works. good works. And give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so the last thing I want to tell you is that we're full of purpose. Right. We're salty and bright and we're full of purpose. You see, your good works have nothing to do with you getting into heaven. Right. And I think you know that. You can't get yourself into heaven by any amount of good works. It is only by the precious blood of Jesus spilled on that cross that you and I can go to heaven. It's only with that moment of, of complete surrender to him. When we accept the fact there's nothing we can do but receive the free gift of salvation. Your good works don't get you into heaven. But check this out. Your good works do help other people go to heaven. They help other people go to heaven. You're saved by grace, not by good works, but you're saved by grace for good works. You give glory to your father who is in heaven so others can come to know him and give glory to your father who is in heaven. The good deeds make our salt saltier and our bright light even brighter. And I got real hung up on that phrase, good works, good works, especially the word good this week. Now I was looking at that word and, and in the Greek, if you like studying some of the Greek or whatever, there's, I learned there's two words for good. The first is agathos, and it means like good, good in quality. Like that's a good chair you're sitting in, you know? That, that's a good podium Pastor Tim preaches from. Look at that. That's a good podium. It's well built. But that's not the word used here for good in the Greek. The word used here is the word kalos. And it means good in quality, but also very attractive, very beautiful, winsome. So Jesus is saying, be salty and bright so that people will see your good works. So good, so attractive, so beautiful, so winsome, so loving, so full of truth, so bright, so salty that we will win some people to the Lord. Not... So people think, oh man, those Christians, they had it figured out. Pastor Tim was right after all. Not, not, that's not why. It's so that they can, you ready? Taste and see the goodness of the Lord. We're salty and bright so people can taste and see the goodness of God and fall in love with King Jesus. That's our purpose. We exist for God's glory, to worship God for his glory and to lead others to taste and see the goodness of God so they, in turn, will give God glory. I want to ask you, if somebody had watched your life and you didn't know, but they're watching you for the last 10 years, what would they have determined after watching you for those 10 years about the God that you serve? Would they want to come to faith in that God? Or would they want to turn around and walk the other way? Would they taste any salt? Would they have any spiritual healing? Would they see any bright light? Or would they want to turn and go the other way? Brennan Manning said that the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with the tip of their tongues, but then walk out the door of the church and deny him with their lifestyle. He said that that's what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable that the world sees too many Christ followers who don't care about salt or light, that don't care about being salty and bright, that, that live no different, really, at the end of the day, than the world is living. Let that never be said of you, Momentum Church. My prayer for you, Momentum, has been all week long that, that you will get that church facility built in record time. 
But check this out, that as you do it, every minute, every day, you're saltier and you're brighter than ever before. So people all across the Florida Panhandle can come to faith in Jesus. It says in uh, Isaiah 58, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desires of the afflicted, you shall see your light rise in the darkness. You shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of these streets that people dwell in. And so my prayer is that you will own the heavy responsibility. We have all been handed to be salty and bright. My prayer has been that you'll be a single grain of salt out there every day, all day, and a single beam of light out there every day, all day, so that all together across the whole world, we are salty and bright every day, all day. A couple last things about salt. There's this superstition people have. If you spill the salt, what do you do? Yeah, throw it over your shoulder. Don't hit sea bass. He's behind you. Okay. <laughs> Movie reference. All right. Toss it over your shoulder. I was studying this week, like, where did that come from? And supposedly, um, it comes from this idea that Judas spilled the salt at the Last Supper. Look at the screens, and you'll see a, a painting. This is Da Vinci's painting of the Last Supper. And the top uh, version of the painting, that's the original, but it's, you know, it's so old and faded that people have kind of recolored the painting. And so look at the bottom and you'll see kind of the colorized version of it. And then there's a call out. Cause I want you to see that guy in the, the robe right there with the, the sweet Afro that's Judas. <laughs> and I want you to look real close at what's sitting in front of him. It's a salt container knocked over and the salt is spilled out on the table. And what people say is that the reason Da Vinci painted it this way was it was his way of depicting that Judas had rejected Jesus' command to be the salt and the light. So as Judas gets up from the table and he walks out to betray Jesus into the hands of his executioners, it's like he knocks the salt over as if to say, you know what, Jesus, I don't care that you're king. I'm not going to be the salt. I'm not going to be the light. I'm not going to live my purpose. I'm, I'm not going to live uh, with your perspective, Jesus. I got my own. I'm not going to participate in bringing heaven to earth. I, I'm doing my own thing. And what a picture of so many Christ followers that have rejected Jesus's command to be the salt and the light. Only one thing. Can I just argue with Leonardo da Vinci? I'm not a great painter or anything, but I think he painted it wrong. I don't think the way to reject the command of Jesus to be the salt and the light is to knock the salt over. I think the way to reject it is to just keep the salt in the container, to just keep the lid on and just say, no, no, I'm not going to do it. You know, there's another trend with salt today in our world. People will get in these um, sensory deprivation tanks. It's this little tank and the, the water is so salty when you, when you lay down in it, you just float. And so the idea is like you can float in there and you won't feel anything and you can just forget about the world and forget about everything you got to do and forget about uh, all the cares that are out there. And, and how often is that a picture of the church that we're just kind of, I got the gospel, I'm good, I got my get out of hell card, I'm just chilling, rolling around in the love of Jesus, floating in the love of Jesus, forget about the world out there, they can go to hell, it's so good to be saved, sorry about you world. If we're not careful we turn into that. We turn into that kind of believer. Have you ever been to a UFC fight or you seen a football player get knocked out? UFC fighter get knocked out and they can't wake them up. What do they do? They get a little tube. You ever seen these? It's smelling salt. And what do they do? They hold it close to the football player's nose and they crack it 
and he smells it, boom, he wakes up, right? I mean, like that. How crazy would it be if the coach went over to the football player and held the tube but didn't break it? And he's like, he won't wake up. I don't know why he won't wake up. Come on, wake up, man. Coach, you got you to gotta crack the tube. I think what Jesus is telling us is if we want to see the world wake up, we want to see our friends come to Christ. We want to see our family members come to Christ. We got to get the salt out of the tube. Salt does no good in the tube, church. The way you honor Jesus in this world, the way you participate in this world, waking up and coming to faith in Jesus, the way you ultimately live out your purpose is to get the salt out of the shaker. Just shake it out all day, every day, all over the place. Get the light out of your jacket pocket and shine it in this world, all over the place, as bright as you possibly can, unashamedly. Hold it high, Momentum Church. Don't get weary in doing good. Don't fall for all the, the traps in the world. Don't get pulled into them. Just keep being the salt. Keep being the light. Keep being the grace. Keep shining the truth. Keep standing on God's principles and on God's precepts in God's word while also loving people. Keep reaching for the glory of God for the highest while also reaching into the lowest of humanity and sharing God's truth, sharing God's love with people. Keep living a life that reflects God's holiness and God's purpose and, and God's joy. Keep building the kingdom of God. Keep working on being generous and building that church building. Keep giving generously so we can proclaim God's greatness from our generation to the next generation. Amen, somebody. This is the hard work, the hard work of expanding the kingdom and pushing back against the darkness, but it's worth it. You're salt, you're light, you have a participation, you, you shine a perspective. And, and in all of that, there's so much purpose. Would you pray with me, church? Just bow your head and close your eyes. And today, if you would just say, yes, God, Yes to the salt, yes to the light, yes to the participation, yes to the perspective, yes to the purpose you have for me, God, so that people can come to know you. God, help me to be salty and bright so the people I love and know can taste and see. If that's you, just lift your hand right now, church. If you're just saying yes to Jesus, if you're just saying, yes, Jesus, I will be the salt, I will be the light, I'll do whatever it takes. Thank you for your faith, church. Love to just pray a prayer over you, God. I pray for Momentum Church right now. Father, I pray for any believer who has laid down their ability, their call to be the salt and to be the light. I pray for anybody who's left the salt in the shaker, who's hidden the light away. God, that that would not be true anymore moving forward. Father, that this faith-filled family would move forward faster than ever before, more furiously than ever before. God, that they would see a great return on their saltiness and their brightness, and that that would return would just be souls, people coming to faith in you, people that we love and know. God, that's our prayer. We say yes to you. Use us. Use us, Father, to light up an entire community, to light up an entire world. Help us to season up every room every interaction, every cul-de-sac. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for the honor and the privilege to be used by you. And listen, as you just talk to God about that and what he's doing in your own heart today as it pertains to your saltiness and your brightness, I wanted to read one more verse. Ephesians 5 verse 14 says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine upon your life. This is an invitation for anyone who's dead to come to life, 
please know that God did not send his son Jesus into the world so that bad people could be good. That's not the gospel. God sent his son Jesus into this world so that dead people could live. And if you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says you're dead. And that when you die, you'll experience eternal death. Jesus called it hell. But the good news of the gospel is that today, anyone who chooses to do so can come alive in Christ. Just like when a football player or a UFC fighter is knocked out by a heavy blow and you have to use that smelling salt to wake them up, you can wake up today. You can come to faith in Jesus. You can drink in his goodness and his grace. You can take a deep breath called salvation. And it all begins with a moment of surrender. A moment where you just say, yes, God, I'm yours. Yes, God, I wanna gain everything I heard about today, a participation in your kingdom, a new perspective in my life and a purpose. The Bible says it's as simple as telling God you're ready. It says in Romans that if you will confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. That heaven's your new home. You have a new family called the church. You're a part of the kingdom of God. If that's you, if you're ready to take that step, tell God you're ready today. I want, we wanna help you do that just by praying a prayer. The, the prayer doesn't do anything magical. These aren't like special words that work or anything like that. It's whether or not you're at this place in your heart right now. And God is a searcher of all hearts. He sees your soul. He knows what's going on. So church, can we pray this prayer out loud together so nobody stands alone? Heavenly Father, I give you my life. I surrender completely to you, God. Make me new, God. Jesus is my Lord. He's my savior. Change me, oh God. Take my sin. Here, God, it's yours. I don't want it. I repent from my sin, God. And I turn to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we make some noise for everybody taking that step today? Come on. All right, listen, if you're watching online or you're here in the room, just text the word Jesus, the name Jesus, to 866-513-1270. We want to follow up with you, and we're going to turn it over now to our campus leaders.